people are when they're looking for your service or offer they are gonna google you and linkedin mm -hmm. loves to put profiles in google so if your profile is set up from that last job you had before you became an entrepreneur and your competitors are more established mm -hmm. then they're going to feel more established especially if they're doing what we're doing where we're saying if someone lands on your profile make sure that there's things on there for each stage of the buyer's journey that you uncovered earlier then you'll be a cut above everybody else um, at that point but yeah minimum is making it so that it is it's good enough it's better than your competitors when people are yeah. searching i don't think people will recognize that thank you for tuning in to hacks and hobbies with your host junaid we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. Want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. Nate knows from experience that consistently securing perfect fit clients is the best thing you can do for your business. In 2021, studies show that only 12% of customers believe a business is customer first. This means 88% of businesses have hindrances in client acquisition, retention, and referrals. Nate teaches entrepreneurs effective strategies to attract ideal clients, achieve consistent growth with high quality customers, identify and remove bottlenecks, and build a fulfilling business. Nate, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. So I'm super excited to jump into your journey. And the way I like to section up or segment the podcast is journey to the start. Then we have gear evolution. Then we'll do a deep dive Then we'll take a break to refresh and refocus. And then towards the end, we're going to have some golden nuggets and some defining moments. You ready for this? Awesome. I love it. Sounds like a great agenda. Let's do it. All right. Let's journey back in time. Please share with us your origin story when you began. What essential gear, and this could be anything, mark the onset of your venture? And do you still consider them indispensable today? Go Before I answer, go a little bit on the gear aspect. Give me a little bit more thoughts on, the, on the, what you mean by gear. So gear could be anything. It could be business acumen. It could be something that helped you get started. It could be a message from your loved one, message from a leader that you look up to that said, Hey, catalyst, catalyst. Yes. Mm. Okay. Totally. So now I focus on LinkedIn and we help clients get their ideal perfect fit clients. But the kind of origin story that made that happen was I was actually working at a car dealership mm. and I was selling cars. And so the only people that I would like have an opportunity to sell with were really the people that were coming onto the lot. And so I wasn't doing any of the digital marketing side because the the digital marketing guy, he basically took all the leads that came from the website. So everyone else had to go stand on the lot or network with people in their area. And I was only 20 at the time. So the networking side didn't work because none of my 20 year old friends at the time were able to buy $60,000 trucks. <laughs> so, so that's how that worked. And I did it in, I started in Michigan. And so if anyone's from Michigan, then they would know that like the winters are absolutely brutal there. And so I started in October, brutal winter, didn't end up working out. I did sell some cars, but didn't end up uh, staying there. I actually got like epilepsy partway through it, which oh, was wow. like the scariest thing in terms of driving a car around because I'm basically like a ticking time bomb mm. and I don't want to like 
do all that and, and hurt somebody or whatever. So that like really made life weird. So I took a job working from home for an RV classified state. So still in the big ticket space, mm-hmm. much safer at home because I wasn't like a ticking time bomb all the time. And if anything happened, I'd be basically in my bed. So it was much easier to handle that that phase of life, which I'm good now. Don't you worry about that. But the online world was way different. And I had built websites since I was like 11. So mm-hmm. I figured that I had really known most of it. But when it came to a big ticket item where someone has a long journey, whether that's you sell something that's high ticket, like a service, like helping people with LinkedIn, or mm-hmm. you sell a car, there's usually a bigger service or a buyer's journey that goes through that. Yeah. And the people that are online, they, when they're visiting this like virtual lot of the RV dealership, they couldn't become a lead until they picked out what unit they wanted on their own, which was very different than when I worked in the car dealership because each person that would come in, I could take down their wants and needs and and move them through. And it was basically like a 100% contact info gained from each person that came, but online was completely different. And so I was like, why is this? And after years, I recognized that it was because this buyer's journey, these questions that they have answered, they're not just going to pick out, Hey, I want to know, I want to know about this unit Mm -hmm. or I want to work with you because they're not even ready for that. They're not ready to have a sales conversation yet. Right. Yeah. So it's, I noticed that all these businesses on like LinkedIn, because basically COVID happened and then I went on my own, but I noticed even on LinkedIn, they had the same uh, issue where it's like all these people engaging in content and doing all these things. And then the people who sell the services aren't really positioned that well, or aren't really helping these people that are underserved in these pockets throughout the buyer's mm-hmm. journey. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, how do we, how do we actually lead the market and help them where they're at and take them through and, and make them the hero of their own journey and us to be the guide yeah. versus just standing at the end when they've picked you. And so that strategy um, of finding those like individual people has allowed us to do things like on LinkedIn, I'll, I'll basically roll out the red carpet to individual prospects that are super high level. So they can get these whale clients by standing out. And that's basically a, the journey. But in terms of um, the catalyst, yeah, I was definitely going from in person to online and seeing what's that, what's the journey that they have to go through. Mm. Oh, that's really powerful because understanding what journey the buyer goes through is a huge deal depending on the product, the service that you're selling, the service that you're offering. And it makes a lot of sense because they have to be ready. Okay. If I look into my business model, it's the same thing, right? I, people have to be in that mind space of, Hey, I need to level up my studio. I need to blah, 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 because that is a high ticket purchase. You're spending a lot more money, spending a lot more time. You change a lot of things around, whereas owning a car or owning an RV are two different products, even though they might cost very similar price point. Yeah. Can I give a couple of questions for those that like thinking time that I think will crack open a lot of things, which is what you get and questions are fantastic. I'm sure you, and so there's tangible and there's intangible things. And even if you think of a LinkedIn profile, it, it shows on Google. And so if you're showing up against your competitor, okay, when they're going there, the questions that you need to know of Because when they visit your profile, you don't want them to leave that lot or leave the page or whatever. Mm -hmm. You want them to actually become a contact. And so they're going to, it's basically, you're going to need to be relevant to them at the stage that they're at. And so a couple of questions that are good for thinking time to help you are like, what are the actions that they need to take? So for us with LinkedIn, they might have to know that their people are on LinkedIn, that their audience is there, right? Mm -hmm. That's one thing that they got to know if it's even worth it in the beginning. And then also, what are the things that they need to learn? So they might need to learn 
if they don't have uh, any knowledge of, of marketing, they probably need to learn some basic uh, knowledge and learn what LinkedIn is for or whatever your business has. And then just like you're saying, what needs to be true? So if they need to be in a certain space, how do you take the people who aren't there and be relevant to them and move them into that space? There might be some things that are polarizing. They need to show them some kind of cases that kind of crack open their thinking to see the other side. That might be a really big thing that you see. And you can even ask if you go through your current clients or people that you're working with right now and just Mm -hmm. see like what their top challenge or question is and make a log of those and start to, it'll give you a repository of what is the journey and start breaking it down and making sure that you can help with all those things that come through. I love that. I love that so much. And what's really interesting, it's, as we're going through that journey and as I, as we're showcasing those questions to them, and that's what you gone through, right? That's how you went from sales lot. And then you're bringing all that analogy, all that, that you learn at the sales lot to then apply it in here for LinkedIn and for uh, the work that you got to do. Yeah. It's all about the the relationships. I think online businesses are great at putting information out there of, Hey, we do this and, and we solve this. And once you're ready, then uh, we're there. But I think in terms of building the relationship, I think that's the kind of next stage that has to evolve. Yeah, that's so good. And and as the catalyst evolves or, or the evolution happens for the business as well, you're also getting influenced by what others are using, what others are seeing or what other people are using. Hey, I should try this model. Is it going to work for me or not? I've got to try and figure out if that's something for me. Totally. Hmm. All right. So let's delve deeper into your journey and how that catalyst became a part of it. And I'm, I'm really keen to explore specific stories that struck a chord. And this will give us a chance to unpack the environment, motivations and inspirations that also shaped your path. Yeah. So let's see. Specific stories. I think, so when I first started going on LinkedIn and trying to do this, and even if I should actually take a step back, because when I, the reason that LinkedIn even came to play is because when I was running this RV classified site, I didn't have enough time to cold call and door knock as it grew. And so I had to figure out a way to be more efficient. And so Mm -hmm. LinkedIn was the only platform that allowed me to like target the people who I wanted and also give a, they have a connection note so you can add why you're reaching out. There's really no other platform that does that. But in doing that, I was focusing on just reaching out to as many of them as I could. And it was really just the demographics. It wasn't really, I wasn't really getting that good of a response rate. It felt like it was like pretty spammy. Yeah. But then over time, we actually looked at, okay, how do we find people who are in the buyer's journey right now? That was the flip to when I went to the LinkedIn site. So it was like a deeper version of the catalyst, right? Is instead of them coming here, And me trying to be relevant to all of them. How do I go find the pocket of them that's underserved in the market? And so that was thinking about it. They're already looking at all the RV sites. They're already in that mindset. And if I can find them, let's say, let's say they're like engaging with someone's content or like they're hiring a specific role that has to do with what I do. Those are like psychographic markers Mm. for them. They're actually in the market. And so if I reach out and I'm like, Hey, saw this it's, I see them It's genuine. And then my responses for everything like skyrocketed because when they'd respond, we're already in the conversation of the context that ends up with me helping them and then sure. them ending up being a client, assuming that I actually helped them through all the way. That was basically the that other side of the coin of the catalyst coin. Dude, that's so powerful. And that, that totally makes sense, right? Because uh, a lot of the time you're probably circling around your own mindset and having 
seen that breakthrough firsthand for yourself. Okay, let's flip it. Okay, who's already in the journey? So first you have to define the journey. Okay, here's the journey for these buyers market. Okay, these are the different pockets. Which of the people would be the most responsive in taking this message and the message that we're discover, de delivering to them? Yeah, yeah, and making it relevant to them because I really believe that relevancy drives urgency. Like how relevant something is for you in the moment and what you have going on and that person, how relevant they are to you gives you the urgency to actually move forward with it. Because if it's not relevant, that's where it feels like spam, right? So what's the opposite of spam? Something that's like super relevant and you want to take action around right now. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. And spam is almost like ads, right? Ads you don't want to see, but then they're trying to make it more relevant. Hey, you were watching this video. Maybe you're interested. Like I was watching a Photoshop video where... This is three months old video, but he's talking about Photoshop and having AI generation built in. And then there was an ad literally said, Photoshop is now out of beta for AI generative stuff. Okay, nice. placed ad, but I'm already a face, I'm already a Photoshop subscriber for somebody other than me watching it, looking at this cool tool to like, oh my God, I need to get in on this because I'm already watching content around it. Yeah. And for us, we noticed after having a certain amount of clients, as any business does, that there's certain ones that you like more than others or had more leverage or gave you better referrals. Sure. You like to have. And so when you get to that part, then you're like, okay, out, people don't really, the people that are doing the spam approach, like with outreach, mm -hmm. they're not going to recognize this. But really, outreach is the most, we're talking about relevancy it's the best opportunity to make something relevant because you're creating it just for them and they know it. There's no post or ad that's going to feel like it was made just for them to right. the point where you actually make it just for them. You're basically just rolling out the red carpet, right? So then you take that step of, okay, what do I want my business to become? Because the clients that I have are going to basically decide what the business becomes. Mm, that's so powerful. I want this to be a good one for you. I'm trying to beat all the previous ones. <laughs> And most no, valuable guest I mean, award. It, it's answering a lot of questions that that have been in my head because I'm like, okay, how do I get past this this block that I'm facing? Sure, I'm marketing, I'm, I'm posting. I'm not posting as often, but outreach has been the Achilles heels for myself. Like, I'm anytime yeah. I'm outreaching for, for people to be a guest on a podcast, it's easy. Oh, come on in, be a guest, and oh my god, I'd love to. And then they're jumping on and being a guest without hesitation, but anytime it comes for me to, Hey, are you looking to blah, blah, blah with your studio? Not really. He's just right. handing out a brochure. That's yeah. like walking up to, to start a relationship, right? That's like walking up to a girl or whatever you're into in the bar or whatever. And you're just like, your first thing you say is, Hey, here's all the reasons that we should get married. No matter <laughs> how valuable you are, yes. people buy from people they know and trust. And so until mm. that is there, that whole offer side doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, you're like doing it at the wrong time. You might be the best person ever, but if you're like, we should get married, then you just became the worst person ever <laughs> because of the human side just not being there. And if and you take that approach of, of being able to be as relevant as possible, creating a yeah. relation or creating an experience for one person, and you really get to pick, okay, who do I want my client to be? Because if they're a big client and they have other people going after them, like essentially that relevance is going to be the differentiator. Yeah. Assuming that everything apples to apples besides that, yeah. that's a lot of what they look for, especially if you're trying to go for a bigger client because the person mm -hmm. that you're talking to, if they're within a business, is actually trying to protect their job more than they are trying to grow like an entrepreneur. Right. So it's, it's a whole different dynamic. They actually can't wait for someone to come in and help them because they probably are trying to figure out how to do that thing for the first time.
That's so good. That's so good. So Nate, as you're building, as, as you pivoted and built out your business and started reaching the right people, where did that go? So from working or, or running the RV classified company, what's the pivot or like what's you're doing now? Yeah. So the RV classified company, when COVID hit, because mm-hmm. I was an entrepreneur for them, if people don't know, an entrepreneur is basically an entrepreneur like inside minus of, 1%. And that 1% company. Yeah. was enough for me to stay. Okay. And then COVID came along and then they let me go. And it was like exactly what I needed. Cause like now the team is all my culture. Like they're aligned to my priorities. Yeah, yeah. I get to build them. Obviously I take on a billion times more risk because entrepreneurs have zero risk mm-hmm. essentially. But yeah, then when COVID happened, then I went, okay, like my, I don't really want to work with the RV dealerships as much as like entrepreneurs that are trying to make an impact on the world. How do I help yeah. them get the best clients possible? Yeah. And so that's where pivoting into the LinkedIn side as the full business, that's where that came to be. When you're working on the RV classified side, you built out your entire team. No. So I was an entrepreneur. Yes. So I went to a company that had their own team Okay. and I was able to recruit them for segments of projects and things that I wanted. But then I also recruited off the side. For example, one of the ones that this should totally help people is that when I was doing the cold calling, I realized at one point that if I knew something about them that was relevant, they had a way higher chance of listening to me Hmm. because they didn't feel like they were getting hit up from a list. Two totally different feelings. But I actually hired a team to research all the people first to give me what was like the important parts about each so that I could deliver that yeah. but like the cliff notes version of it. And so that was like a hybrid. And then I was like, okay, now let's see if we can do this in LinkedIn instead mm-hmm. of this just like spam approach that everyone mm-hmm. else was doing. And that took my acceptance rate from 25% to 80, 90%. And even wow. my uh, reply and interest, interest meaning like they're interested in mm-hmm. what I said, that even went way above 50. And it's just, I haven't seen anything else really in the market take that approach because they're all like, let's flood your calendar. And I'm like, eh, <laughs> let's like, let's get the best to get the best clients we can. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're so right. And it's almost very I want them similar. to enjoy every client. Like it's really like that we believe yes. that revolutionary industry leaders deserve to enjoy every client because they're going after impact. So they should have the clients that actually enable them to create the most impact and the best service product. Yeah. And if you think about it, when I don't know if you've seen like shows like Veep or other political shows, when a, let's say a senator or a House of Representatives going and talking to people, there's a guy next to them. Okay, this is this person. They just had a blah, blah, blah. They're just giving you these feedback. So you start that conversation off and make that connection really quick. So that's essentially what you started doing. Mm, I'm going to make for... a note of that. <laughs> what are they called? You got anything? This sounds like a, this is like a post. This is like a post I topic right here. I don't know what they're called, but they're, they're almost like their right-hand person that gives them a feedback. Hey, they're basically their uh, chief of staff and their comms. They're in the comms space communications so they know who the people who the who you're going to be talking to who you're going to be meeting with and if especially if it's an in-person event and you're going around and talking to all the other senators okay this is what happened with this senator especially if you're a new politician coming into a space like hey yeah this is great i'm gonna use this as an example then tie it into the phone caller part and then to the linkedin that's gonna be a good post so thanks for that there you go of course man that's what we're here to do man Nate, I've learned so much from you. Thank you so much. In this short time, I'm like reaming and I can't wait to go and teach this to my team as well. Okay, let's focus on, let's build out this customer journey for our audience and see where are they in this journey and then how can we 
talk to the ones that are already having conversations in this space that are already thinking about, oh, I just bought a camera. I don't know how to set this up. We need to go and talk to them. I just bought a microphone. Oh, what to look for uh, a, uh, a interface, blah, blah, blah. So they understand they're already on a journey of, of acquiring the gear, but now we can just help them get to that part much more quicker. Yeah, it allows you to really take your sales process and there's their buyer's journey and put them together mm. and go, okay, how do we move them through? Yeah. I love that so much, man. Thanks so much. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll take a quick break, grab some water, refresh. And when we come back, we'll dive into some actionable insights, more profound reflections. And those will be the three hacks that you share with the audience. Finding the right guest or podcast can feel like searching for a needle in a haystack, unless you bring a magnet. And thanks to Podmatch, a service that automatically attracts your ideal interview guests to your podcast. I've enjoyed using Podmatch for hacks and hobbies and interviewed over a hundred fantastic guests from this platform alone. Head on over to hacksandhobbies.com forward slash Podmatch to save time and find your perfect match. Check out Podmatch today. Again, go to hacksandhobbies.com forward slash Podmatch or tap on the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome back. We've been talking with Nate Morse here and I am like bursting from my brain because the knowledge that I've acquired in just the past few minutes from Nate. Thank you so much, Nate, for your wisdom and the tactics, not just tactics, but the hacks that you employed to level up your team, level up your business process and uh, getting that percentage high of how much more people are responsive to the messages that you're sending. Absolutely. Almost like a if I remember, if your kids uh, watch Jimmy Neutron, or if kid is Jimmy Neutron even still a thing anymore, the brain anymore, blast thing. But that's I all I was gonna say. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I remember that was that was almost eight years ago when my kids were watching Jimmy Neutron. Now there's so many new stuff. There's a yeah. new show which is based off of Fast and Furious. Like, yeah, there's an animated cool. series, Fast and Furious super spies or something like that that my kids are watching I'm like oh this is toretto's cousin i'm like oh my god dude way different than when i was a kid and it was like the simpsons is the only like remotely <laughs> fun thing to watch or whatever and now they can stream whatever whenever and there's a I billion know. shows coming out every day so they don't know they have no idea all right nate let's jump into the three invaluable hacks or tips that our superpreneurs listeners can immediately implement or integrate into their ventures all right. So first one, actually, I might even take up two for this one, but it's on your profile. And the reason that I always say these is because people are, when they're looking for your service or offer, they are going to Google you and LinkedIn mm -hmm. loves to put profiles in Google. So if your profile is set up from that last job you had before you became an entrepreneur and your competitors are more established, mm. then they're going to feel more established, especially if they're doing what we're doing, where we're saying, if someone lands on your profile, make sure that there's things on there for each stage of the buyer's journey that you uncovered earlier, then you'll be a cut above everybody else um, at that point. But yeah, minimum is making it so that it is, it's good enough. It's better than your competitors when people are yeah. searching. I don't think people will recognize that. And then I might even go past three, who knows? And then the next one would be that little bio line, like next to your picture, put something in there that engages people. It's a great 
time to ask a question that engages someone and then also ask them if they want to opt in or something where they can become and have some relationship with you. Or you can just tell them, hey, visit my pinned post or featured post or something like that. You can direct them because when they look through the search results or they see you comment something, LinkedIn is the only one I've ever seen that will actually show that line. So you can literally convert people with that from a comment from someone else or in the search results. And that's just like underplayed. Uh, I think another one that is way underplayed because I don't really think there's very many people doing it mm-hmm. is going back into it searching or showing up for SEO results, both on Google. Also, if someone's looking on LinkedIn is that for your, in the experience section, instead of just saying founder, think of what are like the outcomes or the different skills that your mm-hmm. business actually has. So then you can put like 10 jobs working at the same place and each one is just a different skill. And now you'll rank yeah. for all of those. Wow. Make sense? That's, that's really powerful. I love it. I'm going to apply, I'm going to apply some of those. I have some of those already set up, but I'm going to take that advice and put into action because that's what I'm asking the superpreneurs listening to do as well. Thanks so much, Nate. Totally. All right. We all have these pivotal crossroads and I think you already talked about this. Can you share one specific moment that truly defined your journey? There's so many, there's so many moments. I want to do a good one. Let me think for a couple of seconds on this one. No problem. Okay. All right. So instead of viewing clients as like numbers of clients that you need to get in order to hit a bottom line, if you've been in like masterminds, mm-hmm. okay, you're going to recognize at one point that the context in which you live has a huge effect on you. I'm sure you've experienced that. And your clients and your team are people that you work with on a really close, regular basis. And so that's almost like your mastermind of context that's affecting you. So even if you're going to other masterminds and stuff, that's and but your but the clients that you work with and your team are not the right environment for you. You're trying to solve essentially using a metaphor taking greens powders instead of eating your vegetables. Like it's something that's supposed to be on top. Mm-hmm. as that extra mastermind on top, but it shouldn't yeah. be a replacement for the actual daily stuff that you see. Because maybe you go to, maybe you have a mastermind event once a month or once a quarter. Mm-hmm. That'll affect you for a little bit, but your the context that you live in is going to make a big difference. And so that was a big part that had me realize, okay, the clients that I have really do make a huge difference on who I become and, and what the yeah. business becomes. And I think that a lot of people just try to gain clients. They don't focus on, okay, what's the impact of this client? Like even just on my life, because you don't really need a mastermind. If you have a bunch of really awesome clients around you and you have a bunch of like, your team is great. Like you're, yeah. you have your own mini mastermind there. And I don't think people are realizing that as much. So, or at least I didn't until I did. So that's sure. the, that would be one of the catalysts. Yeah. Matt, I, I love that so much. Cool. The question that arises in my head is how do you fire a client? How do you fire a client? Oh, yeah. man. Somebody that's not in the same, like you mentioned, your clients also affect how you feel, how you do for the length of time that, you're, that they've been with you because they're not bringing the energy that you're looking for in the client or they're not helping you along in yeah. achieving that. They affect your team too, right? Your team spends a lot of time with them. So if you want your team to become a certain thing, the, your culture is basically the clients that yeah, you bring in so to a degree. But yeah, in terms, of, in terms of letting them go, I would be big on boundaries, which should be liberating yourself by letting yeah. them know, hey, this is how we operate. This is what we accept and this is what we don't accept. Because if they leave, 
and it's for a culture reason, then that that's not like a justified reason. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're not like, your boundaries should be something that actually make the relationship more healthy. Yeah. And then uh, if they don't, because you want to give them a chance and, and let them know, just like everybody else. Of course. Yeah. But if they don't adhere to that and they still have bad energy, like some clients will be like, ah, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to be how I'm going to be or, or whatever. And if it's like that, then you just, you just don't resign them. You just don't yeah. let them resign up. Yeah. So cool you tell note. them a price that's the, I've heard of like contractors and construction will say that they have this, I don't want to do it price. That's the only price. Mm-hmm. It's basically, I don't want to do it, but if you give me a price that's big enough, then I'll do that. And I, that yeah. would be the, basically the only thing, which still might not be the right move, mm-hmm. but maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is. I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. All right, let's jump into the rapid fire questions. I love to ask my guests. What is the one hobby that you wish you got into? Oh, that I wish I got into? I think a uh, watch. I think watch trading, like like trading. buying and selling watches. Mm. I think that's very uh, interesting. Yeah, that is really cool, and it, it's intricate how much time goes into building an actual watch because you have. Oof, I've seen a ton of these. Yeah. And like they retain value and and will gain value. So I think it's just an interesting world. I think it's just an interesting world over there. Nice. All right. Next up, what did you want to be when you were a child? I wanted, so it's odd because I live in Nashville, but I wanted to be and didn't become it. I wanted to be a a rock star. I basically Mm -hmm. played guitar at least eight hours a day from when I was like 11 till I was like a senior in high school. And then I, then I went and wanted to have friends. But that was the original. There was actually a, I went to Interlochen Arts Academy in Michigan at one point, And there was a, my improv jazz teacher told me that if I do this as the thing that's supposed to make me money, then I'm going to end up like hating my passion. And I think that was like an, a catalytic moment. Catalytic moment? Is that the right word? We're leaving uh-huh. it. And, and so I like lost steam from that for sure. Mm, that's really interesting because it's the thing that you're counting on for you to make the money, but it's not really doing it because you're not doing it for passion anymore. You're looking, doing it for something else altogether. Yeah. Especially if you become like a studio musician, like they're basically telling you what to play. And then if you become signed, you're in the same situation, like with a band. So yeah, you basically have to be independent. Wow. Okay. I like it. Next up, what is your favorite movie or TV show? Oh man. I have so many of these. Yeah. I'd probably go both. I'd probably go both. So like movie, I, I still think Matrix had a big effect on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as a, I think there was a summer where as a kid, I watched it every day. So I was pretty good at, at the first one. TV shows, there's a lot of them. I like ones that, that I really focus on like the energy state that mm-hmm. it puts me in, you know, especially with shows. So I like, like Billions is a good show. I like that. If you haven't uh, watched that. Suits, I like that yeah. as well. I'll have that side where it's like I'm more engaging. And then I will actually, for winding down, I like dumb cartoons. <laughs> I'll totally watch Family Guy or South Park or something to, yes, uh, to relax. Yes, Family Guy. And I love that Futurama is now back. It's on Hulu. I just saw that. Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen that show, but. Totally. Same creator from Family Guy, right? No, Macronic. So that's the same as Simpsons. Yeah. 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 Since this is good too. When I was younger, I actually didn't think it was good. And then for some reason, when I got older, I was like, this is actually good. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's actually cartoon for adults, not for kids. That Yeah. That's probably why. That's probably 100% <laughs> why. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think uh, the entrepreneurs like, yeah, they don't. I feel like some people frown at that and it's no, it needs to always be like the most stimulating, like highest IQ, hardest to consume stuff. And I'm like, man, if anyone knows me, I'm just going hundred percent all the time. And so for me yeah. to be able to just chill, I need something that's, chill. I need to watch like the office or something that's yes. like a different world. <laughs> Those blank stairs, an office. If there was a, if there was like a YouTube video of just blank stairs after a statement, that would be something to watch. Sometimes, man, it's so awkward that I pause it and I'm like, I'm going to have to come to it later when I can go into the moment and I have inertia from wherever else that's going to make it not as awkward. But in the moment, there's episodes where I'm like, I can't, you can't go through can't this one it. right now. No, can't do it. Yeah. All right, man. Next up, what movie would you choose if you got to play a character in it? Oh man, what movie? I've never thought of this. <laughs> What's a movie where a guy just like never gets hurt, gets everything he wants, and life is perfect? <laughs> Groundhog Day. We could do that. I'd still want him to. I think I'd still want to develop, right? If you have a if you have a kid, right? Like you have to have them go through shitty things. So I don't want to like not develop. I don't want to just atrophy for the rest of life. So right. that's why. No, uh, have you seen Groundhog Day? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Bill Murray. Right. So yeah, yeah. he's basically Classic. reliving that same day. And after probably a week of living the same day, it's like, oh my God, I could literally do anything and end up the same path. So he yeah. starts developing. He starts getting good at figuring out what to mix. Like he learns how to play the piano. So then actually show up to this one place and he's like playing full on piano. So that day repeated for him for probably eight years in eight months and something rather where he finally clicked okay, what I need to do to make that day continue for the rest, not yeah. stop the loop essentially. That'd be up there. And I love, man, the movies where they like continue the same day over and over again to figure it out. I think that's one of the best plot lines ever. It is. What was it? It's like a uh, quantum the, plot line. There's a Tom Cruise movie. They did the same thing where he yep. just ends up in the same spot where. That was um, good. Yeah. He kept you keep dying over and over again. Yeah, I can't think of what that movie was, but that one I actually liked. I actually thought that one was super good. I love I I like anything Tom Cruise. He's he's up there with talent and with charisma that he's got going on. All Definitely. right, man. Next question. Who is your favorite superhero? Oh, I totally knew this one was coming. Man, I would say Iron Man. Does Iron Man still count as a superhero? I feel like he's in the Batman world where it's like he, he is he created he is the superhero side. Yes. Uh, on his own. And I think that's like a, a superpower in and of itself. Literally More Iron Man says, than Batman. I think Batman just had a lot of money and just started buying things compared to Iron Man. I think Iron Man is a little bit better than that. And I don't know if they both have gadgets. It's basically who's the James gadgets. Bond superhero. They, they both uh, have that, but it was Iron Man. And at the end of the first movie, he's, are you insinuating that I'm a superhero? I never mentioned about a superhero. I am Iron Man. And then poof, movie yeah. I think he has the best character too, because I think Batman is more of the, I mean, it's, it seems weird, but let's say the people that are like, oh, I want to be like in the dark and this mysterious misunderstood guy. I think that's like a weird insecurity area it that is. they're coming from. Yeah, it is. To be the Batman side. So I think and Iron Man actually is better in that regard. I, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then if we think about it in DC comic world, they're all secret identities. Whereas on the Marvel space, everybody knows who everybody is. I didn't actually never realize that. There's a book that you should read if you like okay. reading books. It's uh, uh -huh. The Alter Ego Effect by Todd Ooh. Herman. I don't know if you ever made that, if you've ever read that, but it's essentially like you act like different 
different personalities, different contexts. So you'll have different mm-hmm. attributes when you're hanging out with your kids versus you're going to work. So how do you document those? And then what's the talisman? It might be like a pair of glasses that makes you super Superman right. now when you're going to work. Yeah. For for me, it might be a polo some days like mm-hmm. you have on, but today is not my polo day, crush it days. Sure. So that could be a different thing. So that might uh, help. Yeah. That is really good. So I need to choose when I wear this polo. Make it mean something. So you're like, when I put these something. on, I act in this way. And then Boom. now it allows you to separate your different alter egos. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that a lot, man. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Last question. If you were a board game, what would it be? Ooh, if I was a board game? Is Cards Against Humanity considered a board game in this day and age? No, it literally says cards in it. I know. That would be it if I had an option. Yeah. Um. Oh, Risk. Risk, right? That's yeah. the name of the game. That's a good game. Yeah. Yeah. That's I love that game. game. I actually have a phone online. I was like, I used to play online with people. I was way <laughs> too into it. Yeah. Yeah. Risk Global Domination. Yep. That's definitely probably my favorite card yep. uh, board game. Yep. I, I love like that it, one. man. All right. Next and last question Where can superpreneurs find you? Okay. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Nate Morse and look for me. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too. I'm on X as well. But the easiest way is to go to natemorse.com slash gift. And there's resources on there. You'll see articles from me. You'll see appearances like here. And you'll also uh, be able to connect with me on there because I have my links to my socials as well. And uh, free profile audits. There's a bunch of stuff. Just depends on what you need. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nate, for your time, your wisdom, and your energy. This was a really fun episode. And I hope the listeners got a lot out of it too. And because I certainly did. All right, I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks again so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Hacks and Hobbies. You can find additional information on the guest today on their website, hacksandhobbies.com. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on upcoming interviews with amazing guests.